Welcome to the Always Better Than Yesterday podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Hartley. This podcast exists to inspire and encourage your heart-centered leadership. Each week, I share interviews with some of the greatest heart-centered leaders in the world. And I hope that our time spent together helps you leave a heart print where those around you are left better than yesterday. Please visit abty.co.uk if you would like us in your corner. These interview sessions are brought to you by Matt Media Online Marketing, an independent agency who specialise in content marketing, helping business owners get their message seen by the right audience. If you want to get your business seen through the power of social media, head to mattmedia.online. On episode 239, it is an honour and privilege to welcome Richard Rudd, author and founder of Gene Keys, to the podcast. After recording this conversation, I just had an overwhelming sense that I'd shared time and space with a master. I hope that this conversation speaks directly to you. I hope that it awakens something within you and it encourages and inspires your curiosity to explore your higher purpose. Head to jinkies.com to take your free Jinkies profile and I hope that it sparks a lifelong journey of a pursuit of bringing forth the fullest expression of your genes. This is Richard Rudd. He is the founder and author of Gene Keys, and I hope that you enjoy this conversation. Richard, welcome to the Always Better Than Yesterday podcast. How are you, brother? Uh, pleasure to be here. I'm fine. Thank you. I um, In preparing for this interview, I heard you talk about your, your time in, in the 90s, and it made me think about how a couple of years ago I was watching the Oasis uh, Nebworth documentary. You never thought we'd start this podcast with Oasis, right? I'm a big Oasis fan. I, absolutely uh, fine with it. Yeah, and we, I was watching this Nebworth documentary, and I just realised how different things were in the '90s. You know, it was they were queuing up for tickets. There was no such thing as like the internet, and and it's the times were very different. It was a very kind of uh, cultural movement, you know, with the music, with sport and politics. And I guess you were kind of having your own movement of, of your own, you know, in, in Devon. And I'd love to, if you will, take us back to the 90s. What was life back like back for you in, in the 90s? Yeah, I think in the 90s was me sort of, um, it's what I call my pyjama phase. <laughs> <laughs> Where I was, uh, I, you know, I started to um, reach out through the internet um, more strongly. and. Um, and kind of learn about it and 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 I was developing these teachings and this wisdom mm. and and so I was I was literally in my pajamas quite a lot just sitting online and recording <laughs> things and creating programs yeah. and I didn't really I guess I didn't know then that I was what the world was going to be in 20 years from then that it was that all these programs would suddenly be you know all the work I put in, and even getting to know things like Zoom. We were we 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 were using yeah. Zoom like when it first came out, um, yeah. and there was literally just sort of thirty people on the call. Yeah. And then when when we came obviously to the pandemic years, and you know these years, um, we were really well set. So mm. it was a building energy, um, and yeah, there was there was a different feel at that time. You're right. The even you see it reflected in music yeah um funnily enough i've just been um visiting rick rubin 
who you probably have heard of um, out in Italy. And we I did a big podcast with him. And we were talking about these things as well and how music has sort of changed and how it how it mm. follows the curve of evolution. And um, yeah, it was really interesting. So yeah, I guess where where we where we are now is partly was seeded for me in the nineties. They were an exciting yeah. time, really. Yeah. 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 And and I guess, you know, one of the things I love about your work, and I'd love to to dive into you know the significance of your work, particularly for our for our audience listening, is that you invite people into contemplation. You know, in some way, this has to transcend the intellect and be, you know, felt, known, experienced, and um, and I love that. And I, and I just wonder whether you think because very much meditation is very popular around the mindfulness space, but it seems that we've lost the art of contemplation. I know that's really important to you. It is. It's actually my biggest passion, um, and I think it's. I think it is the the perhaps the most overlooked and forgotten mm. of all arts mm. and um and it's it's an ancient art and it and it as a word the word contemplation you know we have to kind of get out the way what the definition is so let's get yeah, out yeah, let's yeah. just remove the modern yeah. feeling around it which is kind of a sort of deep thinking you know it's mm. not it's a well it, that that is part of it but it's a lot bigger than that it's mm. actually a whole life journey you know and and unless you have sort of opened up to a field of contemplation, mm. you're probably not kind of moving in a in the majestic rhythm mm. of the earth. You know, so the contemplative rhythm is a, you know, it's a way of opening up to to energy fields and um, truths that lie mm. inside our bodies so it's very mm. physical it's, you know it's not a meant not an intellectual thing it's very yeah. physical it's about coming into a kind of fundamental rhythm with the core of who we are mm. and so you know we can get into like more like what it is and how you do it and mm. what it involves but i think that's the that's the kind of core of it that it's it involves us slowing down inside mm. ourselves not mm. necessarily on the surface you know in, but slowing down inside ourselves so that we are not in reaction mm -hmm. to anything and we're not a victim of anything or anyone it, we're not a victim of the government we're not a victim of you know mm. someone else's feelings emotions we're not a victim of you know our destiny even or what happens to us mm -hmm. we're not a victim you know yeah. but so we are grounded in our responses you know, and we're kind of rooted in a in a deep sense of trust, and that's what contemplation creates. The field, mm. it's a field, you know, mm. and and so it's similar to meditation, but it's broader because it's not only a technique. It's it is something, you know, it could involve meditation, formal mm. or not. Mm -hmm. it, it might involve yoga. It might involve cycling or swimming. It might involve you know, playing music, it might involve any, absolutely anything, mm -hmm. business, mm -hmm. you know, anything can be a tool of the contemplative way. And that's why I love it, because it's so applicable mm -hmm. to any walk of life and any human being. And that's why I, I call it the most ancient and forgotten of all the great arts. Yeah, And it can lead, I'll say this last thing, it, it can lead to like, 
real lucidity inside mm -hmm. us mm -hmm. when we find we remember i should say yeah. how mm -hmm. to contemplate and what that really means because then we can make super clear decisions mm -hmm. and we're not in reaction to life you know mm -hmm. we're in charge of our responses and they can emerge spontaneously without hesitation when needed mm -hmm. um and that kind of really changes how we feel inside ourselves you know about life and whatever's happening hey friends before we dive back into the interview i just wanted to take a quick moment and ask for your help did you know that only seven percent of you seven percent are currently subscribed to the youtube channel if you are enjoying the content so far and haven't hit the subscribe button yet now is the perfect time to do it by subscribing, you'll stay up to date with all our latest videos and you'll become part of our fantastic community. Plus, it's entirely free and it takes just a second. Just click that red subscribe button below this video. Not only will you never miss out on our future content, but you'll also be showing your support for this channel and helping us grow. It's your way of saying, hey, I love what you're doing and I want to see more. Don't forget to ring that notification bell so you'll be the first to know when we upload a new video. So if you're one of the 93% who hasn't subscribed yet, join the 7% who already have. And let's make this community even more awesome together. Thank you for being here. Let's get back to that interview. Is that, is that a good start? Yeah. Yeah, 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 I love it. I love it because, you know, I, I'm as I'm contemplating and you know, this is a dance, isn't it? I love, I love that side of things because it, it, I wouldn't have been engaged with you in a dance back, back, you know, four or five years ago because I don't know, I'd have been on a pursuit to intellectually grasp some of these concepts. You know, my, um, my, uh, the sequence for my, my key for purpose is four, so I was on a pursuit of attaining all sorts of knowledge. I wanted to know why things were they were they were. I wanted to understand the way the world works. Um, and and in many respects, that was a, a stressful activity. It was do not rest until I know. It was I was never going to surrender to, I was a man of science. I was never going to surrender to any higher power or being or mysticism because that didn't make sense to me. And now as I contemplate and I surrender, I, I, this is the thing I've really had to learn over the last five years or start to embody is, is that the more I surrender, the more humor I find in it. Mm the more I get to revel in the fact that in this lifetime, I may not get all the answers. And yet so much more gets revealed to me in that state. Mm. It's true. And it's also, you know, I, I, I very, I hesitate sometimes to use the word magic uh, because it's sort of just a word that people might think is a bit wafty. Yeah. And, and um, but it does, you know, when you enter this kind of realm of content of the contemplative way, which involves just, you know, really listening to life. Mm -hmm. And as I said, just being really anchored and grounded and steady. And, you know, even amidst times of intensity, yeah, you can still be really deeply kind of grounded and you can be filled with passion and and you could be you can be angry you can be any emotion mm. there is mm. but the field of contemplation puts space around that so you as i said you're not then a victim of a of any negative states you mm. might indulge them for a bit and then learn from it 
and go, oh, well, maybe I shouldn't have done that or said that. Yeah. But but part of the field of contemplation is, is that forgiveness of oneself? You know, because you mentioned Gene Key mm-hmm. 4, which is obviously mm-hmm. the part of the corpus of the rest of my teachings, these mm-hmm. keys. Mm-hmm. And that one is about forgiveness. And mm-hmm. each key kind of teaches us a universal lesson. And so, yeah, yeah as you said, like understanding, which is the gift of that key, mm-hmm. We have to come to understand that understanding is a bigger word than knowledge. Yes. And so it involves more than just left brain understanding. It involves yes. also right brain understanding, which mm-hmm. is about engaging the kind of holistic way mm-hmm. of looking at mm-hmm. life. And and that, you know, I love that interplay of left brain and right brain, which contemplation yes. kind of invites so if you're fully, you know, if you're listening to this and you're a fully left brain scientific kind mm-hmm, of mm-hmm. focused person, that's amazing. But the chances are you might be overdeveloped on one side of your being. Mm. So you're kind of, you know, I sort of joked the other day that to someone like it's like we've kind of the modern human has like, especially the, the de- in the developed world has mm-hmm. like overdeveloped like huge muscles on one side of the body and so they're sort of limping around yeah this feeble little other side on the other you know and that's the right brain and the right brain is more engaging with what we might call the magical universe um where you know yeah we have to work for things and we have to understand things sequentially and logically Mm -hmm. and science is amazing but without wisdom Mm. what the hell are we doing mm-hmm. so if we have not if we have knowledge but no wisdom we're really screwed whereas mm-hmm. if we have the wisdom um you know so like our ancients and our indigenous peoples have the wisdom yeah. but they didn't have the science necessarily i mean they may have had their own sciences you know in ancient times but the modern science i'm talking about so the two of those coming together is that's why i'm excited by these times because when mm-hmm. you have that wisdom mm-hmm. coming together with that scientific knowledge things get really interesting hey my friends thank you for being with us so far i hope you're enjoying the interview i just wanted to take a quick moment to let you know about our signature heart print coaching our heart print coaching is for you if you're ready to go all in on becoming a heart-centered leader ready to go all in on doing more of what you love ready to see what you are capable of with support guidance and accountability you're ready to go on a rapid transformational journey that would change your life and others in as little as three months. Are you ready to show up with courage and share your gift with the world? Ready to start making an income and more impact by doing what you love? Ready to start leaving your legacy where those around you are left better than yesterday? In our Heartprint Signature Coaching, in our time together, I'll help you lead from your heart set. I'll help you develop other people and your team. I'll help you bring your heart work to the world. I'll help you start leaving a legacy and capturing examples of your impact. I will help you be someone you love, to do more of what you love, and to serve people that you love. It's an amazing opportunity for someone who's ready to go all in and be a heart-centered leader. I'll throw in loads of other bonuses, including your life languages profile, uh, access to our Master Heart and Mind membership, and even some Always Better Than Yesterday merchandise. Head to abty.co.uk forward slash coaching to find out more, and I look forward to connecting with you very soon. 
That's abty.co.uk forward slash coaching. Here we go. Back to the interview. Yeah, because, you know, let, let's dive into the jinkies and, and I guess the framework that they provide because um, I was contemplating on my my uh, number four yesterday and uh, in it, it said in the, in the passage, it said that um, forgiveness, which is the city, and we'll talk about that, is the thunderbolt that is released when a being attains Christ consciousness. And I was just talking to you a little bit about this off air. It's funny because, you know, four or five years ago, I was in a church and I was no, I had no idea why I was there other than like to make amends with my wife. Like we, we, we'd gone through some struggles. She had found faith and I was just there to be a good husband, right? I have some father issues. I was never going to surrender to a father figure as a God. Um, and yet here I am in, in a, in a church and the, it was father's day and the pastor said, that's it, man. If you want to come down, we're going to do a nice commissioning. We'll say some words over you. And I thought, what's the worst that can happen? What's the worst that can happen? And as he started to speak, he said, that's it, women. If you want to put your hands out towards these men, you do that. And it was like, I'd been Hadouken, like firebombed in my spine. My whole body caught fire. My eyes streamed. And I just went back to my wife. I just said, I I don't ever want to talk about this ever again, <laughs> but I feel like a child of God. And since that day, I had never been able to muster any anger or resentment to my father figure, to my father. And and so to see that on a page played back to me about perhaps that was the, uh, you know, the city or the experience of the conscious expression of forgiveness is both mystical, but affirming, and makes me feel kind of like I can surrender and trust even deeper into the the magic that you talk about. So I understand that you had a similar experience in back in the 1996. Perhaps we can start there as to where this journey of of this transmission of this enlightenment maybe started for you. Sure. I mean, I'll, I'll keep it as practical as possible. Um, and you know, I, I it, these things happen to people i think they happen to many of us more often than we kind of think actually and and i think if you're creating the space for them in some way they're more likely to happen uh, pivotal experiences in life um yeah i had one w was was just spontaneous in my in the late um in my kind of the 20s um and um woke up in the morning in my bed into a sort of spontaneous altered state of consciousness, which was very unusual, actually waking up out of sleep. And, and, mm. and it's not like I'd kind of taken any <laughs> drug or anything. Um, it was a spontaneous thing. And, um, and were I you in pajamas? Yeah, of course. And I stayed <laughs> in that state for three days and three nights. I did get out of my pajamas yeah. and um, yeah. And, and that was um, a kind of period of, of illumination for me mm. and um in which i kind of saw through the i guess what the ancients sometimes call the maya the maya is the illusory veneer of reality mm -hmm. you know create caused by our five senses and um it's had you know, in since then and before even reading kind of the works of many mystics from around the world or meditators it's a it's quite a common thing to see to have that that flash of illumination or enlightenment or forgiveness in your case and it can take lots of different forms i think it's unique to each of us and 
um, I didn't really know what to do with it because I didn't have any structure then. I didn't have mm. any gene keys or teachings or anything like mm -hmm. that. So I just had this raw experience um, mm. that I went on a journey around the world, really, for about 10 years, just traveling yeah. and traveling, seeking, I guess, and um, seeking through different um, teachings, teachers, modes, mm. modalities, mm. having relationships, breaking up, kind of, you know, mm. being a being a bit of a drifter. I went to lots of countries um, and lots of mm. continents, and uh, it was a very rich kind of time of my life. But also, I remember being very lost inside myself because I mm. had this flash of wisdom, but didn't know what to do with it. Mm -hmm. And then slowly, slowly, a kind of something crystallized around it. And I started to write. I was, I'm a writer, love mm. writing. Mm -hmm. And... Um, I started to write and then I, out of that came the Gene Keys book, you know, that's now kind of, I don't know, sold 100,000 copies or more mm -hmm. um, and kind of start to spread around the world. And um, and so out of that book, that was the sort of philosopher's stone for me. Yeah. <laughs> and it is a heavy book as well. Yeah. yeah. And because it's, it took a long time to write. And um, yeah. and then out of that grew like a body of teachings that are continuing to grow. Mm. So, so that, that's just the stone and then more kind of rays of illumination or teachings or other books are coming out of that, including the art of contemplation that mm -hmm. we started talking about, which is a very short book, um, but kind of contains the, the central message of, of, of all my work, really, this art mm. of con how to contemplate. Anyone can do that. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I love the um, the introduction section of the Gene Keys book before you get to the first Gene Key because it kind of lays the foundations of what it is that we're engaging with, and you know, and, and so often you invite people into the contemplation of it. You you almost say that it's a living soul. It's like a living transmission. Like, how can that be so? It's funny, isn't it? It's funny you should say that because I'm I'm recording the audio of it right now, um, having. As I said, I was with Rick Rubin and he said, mm -hmm. you need to record the audio of your own book because it's yeah. at the moment read on Audible by uh, someone else. And mm -hmm. so I'm like, oh, really? Do I have to do that? And <laughs> uh, he talked me into it. So I'm doing it. It's probably going to take several months. Yeah, <laughs> so I'm yeah. going through the introductory material myself at the moment yeah. and I'm being reminded because I mm. you, often one doesn't read one's own books, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so it's a very yeah, it's challenge. It's 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 not challenging. It's it's beautiful in a way. It's it's reminding yeah. me of the kind of that time of the mm. of when the teaching itself was sort of alive. It still is, um, mm. but the kind of foundation um, was still sort of coming out of. I mean, I, I say coming out of my DNA. Because mm -hmm. that was my experience um, in those three days that mm -hmm. the the light of consciousness kind of lives in our DNA. It's you know mm -hmm. I, you know I, I I didn't know much about DNA and I'm mm -hmm. and so I I looked into it in more depth and I, I'm not a scientist and I'm not trained in science in any way. Mm -hmm. um, I'm a poet really and mm -hmm. so or a mystic and so my so my view through DNA is a poet's eye. And that's what the Gene Keys is. It's a poet's eye through the mm. structure of our biology, of our, you know, quintessence of our biology. And and so that that teaching was a lie. It kind of came through me and my mm. body. And and then it formed words. 
yeah. you know, but bef- it's there without the words as well. And it's there between the words. And yeah. that's why there's a mystery. That's the right brain side. And then the left brain gives us the structure. And so it's, uh, you know, it, you know, it's like a good piece of music. The, mm-hmm. There's as much mystery in the, in the gaps of mm-hmm. silence as there is in the words themselves. So it's a woven tapestry, the book. And I think perhaps when people read it, they feel yeah. that, you know, they feel something lighting up inside them because there's some recognition, but the recognition actually comes from the gaps between the words yeah, <laughs> rather than yeah. the words themselves. It's an invitation of experience, isn't it? And like you say, this is where contemplation becomes in the posture of my heart. I, I'm trying to engage with it because um, I think you go a step further in the book, which is to say that trying to grasp this at an intellectual level might actually make it further away from your comprehension. Yeah. Yeah, there's it's a paradox. Yeah, it's true. And, it, you know, there's a there's some ancient teachings from the rishis of India uh, where they le- they left these instructions on how to read a spiritual text. And I can't remember all the root all the ways, but I do remember this one phase called Nididasana, which is you you read the book, the, the words, and then you forget about them. You, so you you read them in bursts. And then you you allow your you allow your body to absorb like you've just eaten a meal, mm-hmm. and you just allow your digestive process space and time so you don't kind of you have to leave gaps and pauses in between. You don't just gorge and gorge and gorge like yeah. a novel, which is actually quite hard with my book anyway because it's too heavy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so very few people read like that. So you take a you take a few gulps or bites. You maybe read yeah. one gene key and then you yeah. stop, mm-hmm. and you might come back and reread it, or you might read. A lot of people read it with each other. They read it to yep. each other. I know lots yep. of people that do that, and then they talk about it together. And they that's nididasana. They chew it. And they go, well, how does that feel for you? And what does that mean to you? And then it's it's had time and then come back again. And then and that's a beautiful way to mm. take these teachings in. I recommend that. Yeah. Um, rather it's than a living exchange, then, isn't yeah. it? It's, it? That's yeah. what brings it to life, as you say. Totally. Um, I shared there so a couple of years ago, I shared with my community a concept that I'd learned from Lao Tzu, which was uh, Wu Wei, uh, the art of doing um nothing nothing but yeah yeah <laughs> which is you know important to me at that time being someone that's trying to control everything and um my friend katarina she first introduced uh you to me as how i first became aware of you and your work she shared a video that you had put on equally quoting lao tzu which was easy is right and in that video on your youtube you talk about how even within those three words there's a universe of you know expressions of what does easy is right is and i think you know within those kind of i guess sacred geometry appears so much within this i guess spiritual world why is sacred geometry so prevalent and how does that kind of relate to this the, i guess the 64 jinkies mm. Yeah, it's a great question. Easy is right. By the way, it was Changzu, um, ah. Lao Tzu, uh, yep. contemporary. Yeah, um, a wilder version of Lao Tzu. He was, um, and which is hard. <laughs> yeah. um, 
so yeah those as you say a whole universal teaching in that distilled into those three words mm. um i think the thing with the sacred geometry and why it's so has such a resonance now and people are, you know i've been doing some podcasts with robert edward grant who is an amazing man who a polymath who's discovering geometries all over you know mm. egyptian pyramids and everything and and connect and can even in um all kinds of arcane places and and mm. literature as well where it seems mm. to be hidden and woven into things hmm. it's a code um you know it's a it's the universal code um geometry you know mm -hmm. so it what it does is it shows us fundamental underlying principles that are embedded mm -hmm. in all natural systems mm -hmm. and you know there's euclidean flat plane geometry mm -hmm. um and then there's fractal geometry mm -hmm. and they're quite different in a way because one is more to do with straight lines euclidean mm -hmm. and the mm -hmm. other is to do with curves uh, which is fractal geometry and um but both are found in nature and in natural systems in different ways the the euclidean is what we use to understand like things like um architecture yeah. and music and mathematics and so mm -hmm. it's very left brain the the fractal geometry is more of the kind of right brain because you see it like an oak tree grows mm -hmm. um mm -hmm. in a fractal way so mm -hmm. it's it's not so predictable um or chaos theory is also another way of which which has by the way gone a bit quiet recently yeah it was a big thing in the uh, you know a decade ago um and you know where they've begun to see these fractal geometries and mm -hmm. so i think what people are seeing there is the universal truth or the universal wisdom the ageless wisdom that lies inside us mm. it's it kind of it's holographic in that it repeats itself endlessly through different iterations of you know it's like it's, it's evolution exploring itself but it explores itself in a way that is kind of interconnected in many many patterns so once you start feeling the uh, this is what contemplation does it puts you in tune with the rhythms and patterns that are hidden mm. so once you start feeling the perfection of mm. life or what the indians mm -hmm. call dharma you know mm -hmm. the unfolding of our mm -hmm. lives we you start to feel like you're on target you're on track you're in rhythm you're in sync mm -hmm. you know and we have things like synchronicity that come in and that's mm -hmm. the lines of geometry that connect human beings through mm -hmm. forces like karma mm -hmm. that bring us in and out of each other's lives and allow these curving lines of destiny to kiss each other in mysterious ways mm -hmm. that and once you understand all of that and you, and you start to embody all that mm -hmm. easy is right becomes like your creed because you realize oh or, or wu wei it's like it doesn't mean you don't do anything it means mm -hmm you allow things their mm -hmm. own rhythm and timing and you trust mm -hmm. even in difficult things that come up so an obstacle comes up mm -hmm. you trust in it you go wow okay how why is this not working and and then the question comes to you and you go deeper and you contemplate and you go well it's actually just not working the way i expected it to mm -hmm. so maybe it is working but <laughs> in a different yeah. way and yeah. so even blockages yeah. are part of the underlying flow 
yeah. you know so sometimes a blockage is there to slow you down in some way and if you surrender to it then the timing reveals later that mm. an even deeper perfection you know because something yeah. else happens in a certain way that couldn't have happened no. if that let's call it a failure or a you know yeah, yeah. might be something that didn't work the way you intended or wanted mm -hmm. um and it's sort of just just you know on a human yeah. level failed uh, yeah. but those failures or mistakes end up being like gold you know yeah but, you know, yeah I think that's the, I... the golden mean of sort of geometry and is is woven it's woven very much through the gene keys that that teaching well, Steve Jobs, I think, famously said that life's made sense looking backwards. You know, you you look make many different. The constellation looks jagged, and you look back, and it's a deadpan line that, of course, this led to that and led to that. Yeah. But you know, I've been I've been educated in a Western world, Richard. You know, isn't um isn't my gene sequence just predetermined? I think we I think we've grown beyond that view now, um, because yeah, that was the case, the primacy of DNA and all that that we learned in the 80s and 90s a bit. And then um, epigenetics was born, this kind of, you know, other version of genetics that start to look at um, the effect of the environment on us and started yeah. to entertain the concept that we were all interconnected, you know, and quantum physics also was kind of pushing us in that direction at the same time, like, God, everything is entangled and connected, there's nothing we can separate. So suddenly, all these great, you know, books were written <laughs> over the last two decades by all kinds of people exploring, you know, the way in which we are interconnected and the patterns. And you see this in everything. I mean, you, you see it, the internet was a classic way in which it was an outer, it is an outer expression of how we're all interconnected on another kind of more timeless level. So, yeah, you know, it's it's actually kind of very much proven now, you know, and we are exploring it. It make it means that things like, you know, molecular biology and um, the sciences like that that go into detail are much more complicated, and they can't be simplified down to like we now know that there isn't just a gene for this, and a you know, that programs yeah. for old age or whatever. There are, you know, and, and and the latest research that's going on in biology, which is really cutting edge, is the biome, the microbiome, mm -hmm. the gut. Mm -hmm. And so we are learning on a daily basis, mm -hmm. you know, so much, especially using artificial intelligence. We're learning to kind of sequence and understand the genome and uh, of all the bacteria that live inside us. And we realize they are so interconnected with our immune system. And then our immune system is so interconnected with the environment around mm. us whatever's coming in and out of our environment you know on a physical level whether it's yeah. where we live who yeah. we live with what products we use what we wear you know who we talk to how we behave how we think feel all mm. of that is part of our biome <laughs> which fundamentally challenges this idea that evolution was competition and in yeah. fact, as I think Lamarck put forward, actually it was around collaboration and, and adaptation to the stresses in the environment. It's true. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. Yeah. And even there's been some, you know, kind of recent re revisits of the of Darwin mm -hmm. and some of the things he was saying around survival of the fittest. And actually, 
there's now a theory of, that it was possibly survival of the kindest, you know. The thriving uh, of those who collaborate. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. You know, and that's why Homo sapiens mm -hmm. did particularly well um, because we were because we did care for our kind of wounded or our disabled mm -hmm. and we you know we, there's a lot more we're seeing about that now from mm -hmm. you know kind of these ancient skeletons and remains mm -hmm. and things and even though we were brutal <laughs> in many respects um we were very collaborative and that's mm -hmm. why the the strains of humans that did well were those mm. those collaborative ones you're right absolutely spot on yeah, and in the book you talk about how our next phase of e evolution is to become Homo Sanctus. Yeah, what does that, what does that I mean? Like, I like Homo Sanctus. Well, I'll probably write a book on it one day. Yeah, I'm still figuring it out myself because I think it's not here yet. Um, yeah. And in the Gene Keys book, you know, there was this very prophetic key that wrote itself, I should say. Yeah, yeah. Um, Fifty-five, and mm -hmm. if and and you can find it on my website. I think it's just there for anyone who wants to read Gene Key Fifty-five. Yep. Um, and or you buy the Kindle, you know, which is easy, mm -hmm. and and read that one. And it's got a prophecy woven through it about Homo Sanctus, this future mm -hmm. human that's coming. Mm -hmm. And as you know, through the Gene Keys, um, it's a it's a code book of consciousness of human mm -hmm. consciousness. So you have these three layers where you have the shadow, um, which is our victim patterns that we live out, and then the gift, which is the creativity that's hidden inside our shadows so you know as we transform our own difficulties this incredible creativity and genius emerges so every human being has a genius and that's part of the gene keys teaching so like come and learn about your gene keys and learn what your genius is and then the final flowering is you mentioned earlier this word siddhi siddhi s-i-d-d-h-i it's a sanskrit word it means real it means divinely realized state you know mm. so it's like there are 64 of those as there are 64 of the other keys because there are 64 in our dna codons and so that's a part of the coding of our consciousness and so those heightened states those transcendent views are hidden inside us in our dna as potentials but they only come alive through my understanding when a high enough frequency passes through the DNA and then activates them. Otherwise they're dormant. And how do we create that frequency through a kind through spiritual practices, through easy as right trust, you know, lots of different opening to the field of contemplation. So that we come into deep trust and relaxation. Then sometimes like happened to you and me and others these epiphanies happen spontaneously in our life and they open us up they open up those heightened states or views inside us you know and and we get the view through the third eye or we get uh, an experience of divine love or you know without a drug you know mm -hmm. although um, there's nothing wrong with kind of having those peaks through plant medicine mm -hmm. or whatever but it it has to come about naturally one day. And I think Homo Sanctus is that future human or the human that's coming mm -hmm. where those higher aspects of our genetics that aren't yet online will come online and they'll mm -hmm. start to pop open in more and more humans. And then 
and they and what we're seeing in the world now is this wave of creative collaborative um awakening that more and more people are bringing into their work into business into you know, people like you doing these podcasts and it's really spreading mm -hmm. um and people are opening back up again to the yeah. sort of more magical mystical side of their nature the transcendent side um because we and, and a, a life of meaning you know because mm. it brings meaning not just not religion so much that might be mm. a part of someone's journey but mm. it's beyond that it's beyond structure or form it's it's the meaning that's kind of lies latent in a human who's found their sense of higher purpose mm. and so i think that that's homo sanctus is the universal human that starts to realize it's a networked consciousness yeah. rather than a single individual mm. blazing through space and time. It's that we are actually a networked consciousness. So it's a huge evolutionary step. Yeah. It's like the step from single celled life to multicellular life. Right. And that's what it actually is. But on mm. another iteration, it's another fractal iteration that hasn't yet come. One day we're going to realize ourselves as one being with yeah. multi-dimensional, multifarious, is that the word? Different lenses. Mm. They're like the Buddhists have those lovely old kind of tankers and paintings of the kind of God or the goddesses with all these mm. eyes, mm. you know, um, and all those different, and that's consciousness looking out through all these different eyes, but also knowing that all those eyes are housed within one being. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I love that. Um, Dr. Bruce Lipton uh, shared a similar story about fractal and how he made a prediction for our next evolution based on looking back as above, so below. And he used like the evolution of, um, you know, cell to then amphibian, uh, so fish, then amphibians. And he likened that to our cultures. And he said, basically, we're getting to the end of like the dinosaur age. Uh, and he said, basically, the future is mammalian you know, in terms of its characteristic, it's nurturing, it's caring, it's collaborative qualities. And um, yeah, I love what you talk about community, because because I know that you you have a deep belief that community is going to bring about this synarchy. And that, how that will be our next phase of our evolution. What is the power of, of coming together in a like hearted community around an idea such as Jinkies? Yeah, I think it's, you know, that the, it's a wonderful word in the Gene Keys because it's full of all these words that people don't necessarily know, yeah. synarchy. And it's a nice way of looking at synarchy is like the um, the iron filings. You might remember the class that in, in class, the physics class in elementary school, you put the iron filings on the white paper and then you put the magnet under the iron filings. Yep. And suddenly yeah. they all form these incredible, they follow the ge ge you know, the magnetic field and create yes. this beautiful pattern. Yes. And that's synarchy when applied to humans. And when we see synarchy in nature, for instance, we see it, we see it a lot. We see it mm. in mycelium um, underneath the trees. Now we understand how trees and plants intercommunicate in a field yeah. through, you know, chemical sig signals that stretches mm. a long way through a forest mm. almost entirely transferred to the entire forest so we can look at a forest as a, as one ecosystem now 
And we see it in the flocks of birds moving as one or the anchovies moving as one or ants or bees that communicate as one consciousness mm. in, a, in, these, in these hierarchies, but interwoven into a synarchy. So synarchy it can include hierarchy and heterarchy. Heterarchy is the flat one. Hierarchy is the up and down one. Synarchy is both of those operating together. Mm. So it's like a higher evolutionary form of humans operating in service in the same ways that bees all serve the queen yes you know it's a symbol really of we all serve the whole gaia mm. you know so mm. we we finally serve the whole and and so we then begin to network our genius together in these communities or fractal groupings yeah um that then you know, when you when you network genius, it's incredible. Yeah. I mean, imagine one genius. Imagine one, you know, I don't know, a Bill Gates or whoever it is. And then imagine like 10 of those, but mm -hmm. with in working in different fields, coming mm -hmm. together to serve the whole, to, to yes. solve a problem. That is the potential of humanity. It's off yeah, the scale. Yeah. yeah. So collaboration and community in that sense is like part of our higher evolution. Yeah that we're moving towards so there's a there's cause for it even though there's a lot of chaos around us and mm. we see collapse and we worry about the mental health problems and we worry about the environment and everything we're doing there's a lot of hope actually mm. underneath everything more than hope in a way mm. there's almost assurance mm. you know to be found in our dna mm -hmm. you know like bruce lipton was saying it's like yeah. there is a there's a, there's a stage coming that yeah, requires yeah, yeah. this chaos and breaking down. Yes. It requires us to see our adolescence in the way we treat the world and yep. environment so that we can learn and grow up. You know, 100%. I, I must explain to you whilst I'm laughing as you're talking <laughs> is because as you were talking about this shared service, I was thinking about um, a documentary I'd seen on a spiritual platform, which was post 9-11, how this person had a spiritual awakening because everybody just came together and served. There was no ego. There was no why. There was just pure collaboration and serving, right? Firefighters, all this. And I, and I was thinking to myself as you were speaking, what's the name of that platform? And you went, Gaia. <laughs> it was just funny. It was exact point where i was thinking what's the name of that online platform and you said the word gaia so clearly there's some synchronicities going on uh, yeah. i'm definitely where i should be in this world i think it's, it's a wonderful uh wonderful opportunity to get to talk to you and, and share in some of this wisdom and you just said the word adolescence and uh, one of the phrases i love within your book is that the future world will be a world created by adults who can see through the eyes of children what is it about children that is like the purest expression of genius it's true isn't it because it's unstudied <laughs> you know like it's the the genius of a child is completely wild unconditioned and spontaneous mm -hmm. and that's actually those are hallmarks of genius it doesn't mean you know that we don't have structure we need you need structure but mm -hmm. genius kind of is unbridled in that sense that it it genius is about making quantum leaps and mm -hmm. then figuring out how the hell to create a you know a, 
an apple around it you know apple mac or whatever it's like the you have that you have the genius breakthrough idea you see all the interconnections you know this is the next phase you feel it in your bones it's a cellular thing and then you go right we're going to do this let's do it and then you bring together the allies and the people and you start and and there's this delight you know this childhood sense of delight in creative in, in the creative process. So I think that childlike nature is very connected to our creativity. You know, mm. our create we are creative species. We're incredibly creative. There's nothing we mm. can't create or do. Mm-hmm. You know, just as there's nothing we can't destroy. Yeah. You know, so so that but the child and the child learns that, you know, so it's it's our sense of um you know, there's also humility in the child as well. Like, yeah. like I, I don't know everything. In fact, I don't know anything. <laughs> mm. And and it's that humility that enables us to kind of work together and collaborate because we 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 need each other to collaborate new systems and new approaches that are healing and mm. um, create coherence mm. rather than destabilization. So I think that you know that that childlike innocence is is really precious in us, and we have to do, we have to keep it. And it also is like mm. connected to humor and lightness mm-hmm. and all the basic human qualities of Joy. fun, adventure, mm-hmm. play. Yeah, you know, genius is connected to play. Always wow. has been. It's why yeah. when you look at a young creatures learning, they play, and the you know, and and we play, and we you know we one of the things we do is we take away play in the young child you know yeah. that real play you know because yeah, yeah, a child yeah. really should be playing for seven years yeah. essentially but we start yeah. like teaching them really early mm. and and giving them too much structure too early so mm. i think seeing through the eyes of a child th- as an adult is like is it is a really powerful thing to do like because yeah. because that because yeah. then you're looking at the future you're looking to like well how are the future children what kind of world would would they want you know yeah. and then you're really you're really in the sort you're of nurturing current. their genius yeah and you're in the current of harmony you're yeah. asking the right question yeah you know i uh, i have a son and a daughter my son is 10, my daughter's eight. And, you know, when you're a parent, you think, oh, they've grown up in a similar environment, similar parents. How can they be so different, right? <laughs> my son loves learning. He's very intellectual. He he He's very sporty. My daughter, very creative, expressive performer, right? Two very, very clearly different sets of personalities. So I've realized that my wife and I, our purpose as parents is to facilitate that, to help provide opportunities for them to realize their fullest and truest expression so i i love that idea is that actually as a parent i'm trying to create the right idea uh, uh, environment for their genius to to flourish would that be fair yeah i think so there's a there's an expression um i know where it comes from but conscious neglect right. <laughs> i rather yeah. like it and I, and my wife and i've have definitely applied that with our children it's kind of an easy as <laughs> right Conscious neglect is you you kind of give your children a lot of space to make their mistakes, to learn, mm-hmm. um, and you don't overly control 
them with your own views of what you think they would be good at or what they ought to be doing or learning or how they ought to be doing all of that. So you, you, you have to be very careful as a parent not to kind of impose your own kind of gestalt on them. Even if yeah. it's like, even if you think you're the greatest kind of like, yeah. oh, I'm so liberated. I'm so, you know, I'm not going to put you through school or we we only eat, we don't eat meat or like, no, I'm not saying any of those things are good or bad, but you have to be careful that you don't mm. apply your worldview to your children. Because if you're, if, if, if they're, yeah. if they're more attuned to eating meat, or their bo their biology might need meat, but you're mm -hmm. you are all vegetarians, mm -hmm. like that. That's an example of like putting your worldview on someone yeah. else before yeah. they've had. I mean, of course, you know that's a very noble thing, and yeah. I understand. And people may not be able to change that or help that, but it's mm -hmm. an it's an example of you know how open can you really be as a parent, you know to that can can because otherwise this this child is going to rebel in some way they're going to find some way to rebel against your view <laughs> they're meant to do that so you might no. as well you might as well create early on like the, you know yeah, yeah, the space yeah. the contemplative space that allows them to discover what's right for them mm. but you have to be set yeah i love that I'm just laughing because I've just got to survive raising my daughter, I think. But um, one of the one of the things you talked about is the is each of the gene keys have the three words, the the spectrum of consciousness, as you call it, the, the linguistic map with the um, the shadow, the gift, and the city. And and one of the things I really love is that you say if you deny the shadow, you deny the gift. If you deny your willingness to even look at the shadow, then you don't. And I think that's a wonderful invitation, isn't it? Okay, we'll start to look, start to embrace. And I and I and I love to dance in the paradox because when we get to the level of the city, there's almost like a woo-way type not needing to do anything. It's almost an acceptance and a and a unity of the duality. And yet I heard you speak on a podcast a couple of months ago, which is that you can't do nothing to get to that state of doing nothing. <laughs> there's this journey where you have to go on this path of of doing the work so so it to say to coin a phrase before you get to that state where you can just be yeah i think that's a, a great paradox isn't it that you it it's a it's a sort of mystic chestnut that one um, <laughs> for, for people who go very deep into subtle spiritual paths mm. in their lives but you don't need to kind of worry about it it's just yeah you can't you can't use doing nothing as an excuse yeah um because you you've got to go on the journey that's what we're here for we've got to go on the journey um of transformation even though you will one day come to a point where you realize i actually didn't need to do any of that but you did you also know that you did in order to come it's like buddha the Buddha, the story of the Buddha coming to the point where he realized all the things that he tried to get to the state had failed. And then finally he gets, he, when he lets go, the state arrives and he's like, but I had to do all that yeah. trial and error to come to the realization that I'm exhausted seeking. Mm. You have to exhaust all the opportunities in, you know, in that, in that myth. So it's yeah. sort of, we have to kind of, 
carry on our heroes or heroines journey, whatever, whichever, wherever it takes us. But eventually, if we if we have the strength, the inner strength and the courage, we will reach atonement. <laughs> it's interesting you just use the word heroine's journey as well, because obviously everyone knows the, the Joseph Campbell. But a couple of years ago, last year, we had Maureen, um, Maureen Murdoch on the show, who is the author of The Heroine's Journey. And one of the things that she talks about the cycle of the heroine's journey is that the... Um, for the next phase, shall we say, it's about um, uh, synthesis. It's about the synthesis of of the you know the the journey that you've been on, the adaptation and the the new learnings. It's about bringing that into uh, harmony. And I, and I guess is that um, is that something that you you still feel like you're doing now as you as you contemplate your work and and come you know i guess what i hear you say is that you're still a student of this stuff do you do you find that you have cycles of integration yeah endless i think that's 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 being a, a human or a mammal it's like yeah. endless integration of higher and higher realizations or states um of of you know accepting deeper layers of your own kind of fallibility i guess you know so your shadows you know yeah, like yeah, yeah. there's always parts of us that we don't like and we yeah. wish we didn't have but the higher you your state of consciousness goes the more deeply accepting you become of those parts and you realize those are parts mm. of me that you know are really they need to be integrated not destroyed not got rid mm. of you know mm. um but actually open to and that and it, it's the part of us that tries to destroy them or get rid of them or feel guilty mm -hmm. that that takes us down like addictive paths or difficult mm -hmm. kind of journeys because yeah. because we're, we're we're trying you know we're trying to externalize something that we don't like about ourselves so that we can see it so that we can see it in some way and um until we learn you know but and then we learn and mm -hmm. one day in a blaze of light or realization we we realize oh god i i need to stop this how mm. do i stop it um and but it but you don't need to stop it you just need to transform it to a more mm. healthy place it's like addiction like you you transform addiction you don't stop it you mm -hmm. you pass it onto something else so you have a, a healthier addiction yeah you know, yeah right um, in a way um yeah. because you can't get rid of the underlying imprint yeah. you know it's like we can't get rid yeah. of the the kind of demons that live inside us you know they're part of our tapestry of the richness so yeah they have to be integrated and so i just find you know subtler and more layers of that um all the time and mm. it, it becomes a very rich journey after a while i think yeah, I agree with you. It's letting go of what we thought life was supposed to be, whether we've been conditioned or told or had this ideal, you know, culture not being our friend is a really pertinent phrase because so much of that culture says this is what it looks like for you to be accepted in society. Go and attain these things. And it takes us away from being able to revel in the way that things are. I guess there's that phrase amor fati that the Stoics used to use, which was just learning to love what is. 
And one of the really powerful things I'd love to kind of draw to a close with is just this one liner that just hits. We're never going to un understand anything until we understand love. Yeah. Like that just that just hits and it's just like, oh, what does that really mean? What 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 is it about love that we need to understand? Well, it's compassion, isn't it? It's inclusion. Like we were just talking about everything inside ourself has to be included. So there's no part of ourselves that we're holding secretly in guilt hmm. that we wish we didn't have. You know, and so we the, the inner journey or the hero or the heroine's journey or the journey of contemplation is to create the space so that all those voices inside us, all those impulses, including the ones we don't like or we feel very uncomfortable with, they're all included. You know, they're like little beings. I remember Ramdas mm -hmm. saying, mm -hmm. you know, talking about his, um, his, his, what was it? His um, psychoses, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And he said he, yeah. he will sit in meditation or contemplation and invite them in for tea. Yeah. And every now and again, one of his psychoses pops up, like the ma mad mind just worrying about something in the future. And he yeah. just says, oh, welcome. Come in and have a cup and sit down and have a cup of tea with me. Yes. You know, and, and that's all we need to do is to include all aspects of our own psyche. If we can mm -hmm. do that as individuals, then we start to be able to do it on the world as well. So we look at even difficult people who are really um you know mean or kind of unpleasant but we realize that they're also an externalization of something inside us and if yes. we include that something then we can include them too it doesn't yes. mean that we we don't fight them for what's right yes. you know because that's part of our journey the hero's journey is like you have to fight injustice in yeah. a certain way what you see as injustice and that's part of the journey but it also means that you don't kind of hate them. You don't have yeah. to hate them. Mm. You realize that they're part of the story as well. And therefore you just, they, what they're doing is they're just bringing out the inner warrior in you mm. and the warrior can be the warrior of love. Mm -hmm. So love doesn't have to be all soft. Um, even though in its core, it's very tender. Love mm. the deepest love I feel is the tenderest love. Mm -hmm it can take on any even ferocious form mm -hmm. as well but the core the core love is perhaps the love of the great mother the, you know mm -hmm. uh, all the mythology speak of the great mother or the goddess or the white goddess or many different names mm -hmm. or and um you started by talking about the christ consciousness and so i'll bring it back to that's a nice place to end like there's this um medieval mystic mother uh julian um, who had this experience of the christ consciousness and mm -hmm. what she did is she saw christ as a woman or kind mm -hmm. of through a woman's eyes mm -hmm. as a mother his not that he was a woman but that mm -hmm. his energy his essence the essence mm -hmm. of the christ consciousness is care it's it's trust it's patience, infinite patience, mm -hmm. infinite trust, infinite kindness, um, infinite mm -hmm. forgiveness, all these qualities of the of the kind of deep, you know, inner mm -hmm. feminine, and not that the feminine can't also be ferocious and all those mm -hmm. things she can. But it's that deep 
sense that all is well with the world then that was her final words that have become famous all is well and all is well and all manner of things shall be well mm. that's her final kind of message to the world because she experienced that this is julian of norwich yeah yeah exactly everything's yeah. moving exactly as it needs to yeah <laughs> yeah which is a heart set posture isn't it it's like exactly yeah so it is it's a, it's a deeply loving um universe that we live in actually even though that's that's a tough one sometimes to see yeah it, it becomes beyond intellect there's no algorithm that leads us you know there's no statistical m model that says you are 64 percent free to believe that that is the case yeah, <laughs> it exactly. becomes a deeper trust isn't it and and just lastly i think for people to to moralize upon is that there's 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 the contemplation which makes space for the absorption of the wisdom of the jinkies, the living transmission. And then just as Christ says, they, you know, by the fruits of our spirit will be known. It will be through our embodiment of the wisdom that we, that we get to interact with, that will reveal our spiritual evolution through contemplating the jinkies. Would that be fair to say? Yeah, absolutely. I think you said it really well. I'm not sure I can add anything to that. <laughs> Thank you. You're very gracious. Uh, I have a word here, always been yesterday. It's called heartprint. And it's a word that symbolizes the, the ripple effect, the legacy, the possibilities we create for people. You know, the one degrees of change and possibilities that all of a sudden something new gets to be birthed. Richard, this might be a bit of a loaded question or a big one, but um, as you come to the end of your days and you take a look back at the the impact of jinkies what do you hope your heart print will be it's a nice word that that's, that's a lovely question um you know I, I i i think just something really simple um which is if if people embrace this contemplative way then they'll become karma inside themselves in some way that you know they'll find this island of kind of the sanctum inside and they'll realize that everything that we're looking for outside for answers is actually inside and so if if even just one more person can come to that truth then i'll feel like i've done a nice job and and that it's it really does come as simple as that like i i wrote this big impressive jinkies book and actually then then i wrote this very thin under 100 pages book that was yeah. just about the essence of that and it's just that just slow down a little bit just breathe a little bit just create some more generosity around mm. yourself gentleness you know that that's been one of my key words that maybe that would be quite cool if people remembered me as a person that taught gentleness and patience those mm. that would be cool i'd be pleased about that i love that richard yeah. thank you for allowing this 36 year old to play thank you for allowing <laughs> me to have this play and uh i share all the good links to the the gene keys i've already encouraged our audience to go and take their holographic profile um yeah grateful for your teaching grateful for your time and your presence i'd be honored if you'd leave us a final thought from your good self well, I think I'll just reiterate, actually, that, you know, when we learn to be gentle with ourselves, you know, and we include those parts of ourselves that sometimes we would rather throw out, um, 
then we begin to create that same feeling in the world so that people aren't left out you know that the moment the world is filled with refugees literally who have lost their homes and are losing their homes and it's because that is an externalization of something that's going on inside the human spirit is that there are too many parts of ourselves that we're trying to throw out and actually when we start to come back home to this heart inside us to this this feeling of love and trust that everything all is well then we'll stop manifesting that externally as well and um so it really does come back to like a model modeling this in our individual lives yeah that's that's my wish love that i appreciate you brother thank you thanks ryan pleasure to meet you Hey, my friends, thank you for making it to the end. I hope that our time spent together today has left you a little bit better than before you push play. I'd really appreciate if you just took a moment to leave a review to allow me to meet more people where they are and hopefully leave them a little bit better too. If you're curious to know how I, through Always Better Than Yesterday, can serve you, your team, your organisation, then head to alwaysbetterthanyesterday.com to connect. And while you're there, let me know one or two things that you're going to do as a result of listening to this conversation. I absolutely love hearing your thoughts, your reflections, and the things that this spark in your own heart and mind. If you want more insights from my heart and mind, I do send out short episodes on a Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday. And again, I hope that they serve you well. I appreciate you listening. I'm Ryan Hartley, host of the Always Better Than Yesterday podcast, a podcast for heart-centered leaders just like you. Keep leading, my friends. Always love.